he loved him and he loved them. And what I was talking about it in relation to was the local church as a picture of the local church. Now, before anybody gets on their phone and tells Darren that I said that that was the local church, I didn't. It's a picture of the local church. And it's almost a perfect picture of the local church. And you'll see what I mean when we go through those five accounts that are in the scripture. But in fact, what I wanted to speak on those nine weeks ago were seven different accounts of Bethany. Bethany appears so many times in our Bible, in, in, in the Gospels. And in the Gospels, God is at that place called Bethany because that's where he wanted to be. He loved them, like I said, and they loved him. So let's just read a few verses from God's word. First of all, from Luke. Everything is easy to find this morning. It's mainly in the Gospels and a little bit in Acts. But it's in Luke's Gospel and chapter 38. We've already had a written warning for not sending not switching the microphone on. So as long as you can all hear me, that's fine. Verse 38. Now it came to pass, as they went, that Jesus entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Mary was cumbered about with much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So God will add his blessing to the reading of his word. We'll just commit it to him in prayer. Father, we praise thee again this morning for this blessing we have of coming together in this way. We thank thee that we can come around your word, our God, and we know that that word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray that it will be so this morning, that it will cut right into our hearts, our God, and speak to us directly from thyself. Take away myself, O God, and speak by the Holy Spirit that people might know who thou art, that everyone listening in the pew might realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only answer to this world's problems, that this world's, that the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the savior of the world, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And we pray that some will, somebody will turn to him this morning from sin, our God and Father, and from this world, and come to him as the only savior of sinners. So we ask thy blessing now. We pray that thy Holy Spirit will speak and convict and convince of sin and of righteousness and judgment that is to come and that someone might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Now for those of you who were here nine weeks ago and you remember, and that I don't think will be many, but if you remember, I'm going to run through the five points very briefly that I made in the last message. And it's five messages, really, from the Gospels concerning that little village of Bethany. And there are various uh, translations of the name, including the House of Figs, the House of Dates. And I like to see it as the House of Fruitfulness. 
because it was a fruitful place for the Lord Jesus Christ in his ministry down here below. And like I said, we're looking at it as a picture, a picture, just a picture of what a local church should be. We know, and we sang about it, the Holy Spirit came down on that day of Pentecost, there in the book of Acts, and there the church was formed, the first church. And the church has been going for 2,000 years, and there has been many local churches during that time. But this is the picture. In Acts 2 we read, don't we, verse 42 and 43, where Peter, Peter had preached, and they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And there the church was formed. And that is what a church should be, continuing in the apostles' doctrine, in breaking bread and in prayers, with the Lord Jesus Christ as the center of every gathering. The first point I want us to note, and the first message from Bethany, is that the Lord, in the passage we read, was recognized and received by Martha. Now this is the first mention in the Bible of Bethany, and it says, now it came to pass, in verse 38, as they went, that Jesus entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And the important word in that is that he was received into her house. So the Lord was recognized by Martha for who he was, and she, she received him into her house. And that's where he should be here this morning, received amongst us. He should be recognized for who he is, the savior of the world. He should re be recognized for what he does for us. And we should see him, and we should recognize him. He says in his word, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of us, of them. And he's here, and he's here to bless us this morning. And we've come, and maybe we've done no preparation at all for coming to the, to the, to the meeting this morning. No preparation at all. I've done a little bit. I hope it's enough. But we might have just turned up, because that's what we always do on a Sunday morning. I hope not. I hope we've, we've looked at the Word of God, and we've come not only to hear what the preacher has got to say, or the pastor, or whoever, but to listen to what God has to say, but also to give, come to give blessing to him. So this woman, Martha, she recognized him and received him realizing who he was. But he came from Bethany, from Jerusalem, didn't he? He traveled that short distance from Jerusalem to Bethany very often and back again. But 1.8 miles, just under 2 miles. What happened to him in Jerusalem? We read these words. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came unto his own, his own people, but they rejected him. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief came unto his own. His own didn't want to know, but he came to this little house in Bethany and he was received and welcomed with open arms. In Luke chapter 9, verse 20, we read, 
The foxes have their holes, and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. That was his place in this world. He had nowhere to lay his head. We must realize who he is. He is the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, the upholder of all things. And yet, for him, there was nowhere to lay his head. So he came to this world, and he was largely rejected. But I'm glad he wasn't completely rejected. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. But they gladly received him. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 tells us that. Don't turn to it. They gladly received him. Those that gladly received him. Have we gladly received him this morning? Are we gladly receiving him this morning, this second, for who he is, and recognizing him and receiving him for who he is? The thing we notice about this reading, this first reading that we've done, is that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus gave him a place the place of honor in their house. And he has come amongst us this morning, and has he got the place of honor in our hearts and amongst us as a group of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ? And the important thing is that Christ has found a place. Christ has found a place. Has he found a place in our house? Has he found a place in our church? So the first point, the Lord is recognized and received, and I pray that he is recognized and received here in Bethany this morning. The second one is this, and it's Luke chapter 10, so keep your finger in Luke chapter 10, we'll be reading a little bit there, and it's verse 39, it says, but Martha was cumbered about much serving, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she helped me. So she was doing all the work, and we read later on that Mary was at his feet. And the sense of that message is that she was continually serving, but Mary was continuing sitting at the Saviour's feet. His heart's satisfaction is the heading for it. His heart's satisfaction, the satisfaction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary sat at his feet, and she kept sitting at his feet. Turn to Matthew chapter 21, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 21, verse 17. And Jesus left them, that's his disciples, and he went out of the city, that's Jerusalem, into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he hungered, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only. And he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And present presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? The fig tree was withered away. So Mary kept on listening at the Saviour's feet in the house. But the Lord Jesus Christ was rejected in Jerusalem and he was accepted in Bethany. We just happened to be 
in a church called Bethany in Pushquine. And it relates so well to these passages. Bethany. Is he, is he accepted in Bethany, Pushquine, this morning, wholeheartedly and unreservedly? He was rejected in Jerusalem. He was rejected in the temple. He went to the temple, but they didn't want him there. And the meaning of Mary sitting at his feet, his steadfastness, she didn't move from his feet. And in Acts chapter 22, verse 42, at the beginning of the church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And this, this, the sense is that they persisted. They kept on keeping on. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And there's a practical application to it, isn't it? Every week we come to Bethany and we hear the pastor or a pastor or a preacher preaching from the pulpit. And over there in Acts chapter 2, where Peter preached, 3,000 souls were saved. And the practical application is this, that Peter preached. And I wonder if the people just went up to him afterwards and said, well done, Peter, that was a reasonable message, well done. They didn't. They kept on, and they continued steadfastly in all the things that they had heard. And that's the application. Or perhaps they went away and said, oh, that was a wonderful message that Peter preached. But did they just go away and forget about it? No, they continued steadfastly. This was the early church. What a wonderful sermon, Peter. And it was a wonderful sermon. His church, that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that, is where that which comes from Christ is received and wholeheartedly accepted. The whole life is given to it. And that's where his heart's satisfaction is. You see, he was so rejected in Jerusalem and in the temple. And yet he had come to this little house and he knew that he was accepted there. And today, 2,000 years later, he can come to Bethany and push Gwine and know that he is accepted. We know that he loves us. And he knows, or he should know, that we love him. His heart's satisfaction is found when we hang upon his every word, upon every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. When we hang upon his every word, are we there yet? Probably not. But that's where he wants us to be. Hanging on his every word, trusting his every promise and listening to what he has to say to us. Now, the third message from Bethany is again in Luke 10 and now verse 40. Luke 10 and verse 40. And it says, let's read, yeah, verse 40 and 41. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Lord, dost thou not care? Do you not care 
I'm doing all the work and she's sat at your feet. There's a bit of resentment there, isn't there? Lord, dost thou not care? Martha was distracted, you see. She had so much to do. She was pulled in different directions. She was anxious. She was preoccupied. She had many secondary considerations. And when we think of ourselves this morning, we are sat here, and even, even in the pulpit, there are always secondary considerations and things that take you away and take your mind off what you're speaking about. But sitting in the, in the pulpit, it's easy, isn't it, to be distracted by the things that happened last week, by the things that you think will happen next week. And we're thinking about other things, and we're anxious, maybe, with good reason, for problems and difficulties within families, maybe for financial considerations, maybe anything that can preoccupy our minds. But when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the place that he wants us, is at his feet, listening to his every word, hanging on his every word, with no secondary considerations, but concentrating on what he has to say to us. And he says to Martha, there is but one thing that is necessary. And Mary hath taken that better part. Where was that better part? It was at his feet, listening to his every word, hanging on his every word. And that's where he would like us to be, to be found at the feet of the Savior, getting to know him and giving him the chance to make himself known unto us. That in all things, in that little house in Bethany, and in the house we're in today, in this building that we're in today, that he might have the preeminence in all things that we do. And it's a picture, isn't it, of Martha. Martha uh, Jesus rebuked Martha, and it's a picture of adjusted service. And we do lots of things. We do lots of things for the Lord. I, I hope we do anyway. And there are things that he wants us to do. But the most important of them all is our worship, is that we worship him and give him his rightful place. And all the other things will fall into line. The service. You see, we can all run around, I think I mentioned last time, and maybe it's a bit uh, rude to Martha, but we can all run around like Martha, like headless chickens doing things as we think for God. And yet, without worship, there can be no service. We need to spend time with him in his word and at his feet, listening to what he has to say to us. So that's adjusted service is the third message. You've heard most of this before in bit style, I would imagine. You've seen it as children in Sunday school, maybe, or as older with the life of, 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 of the Lord Jesus. And Lazarus, we've seen, we've seen the story of Lazarus. Uh, I hope there's not one person maybe who has never heard of the resurrection of Lazarus, which we'll come to in a moment. But the next message is precious ointment. Precious ointment poured forth. And if you turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I think it's verse, verse 6. 26 and verse 6. It's another 
another anecdote, another message from Bethany. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at meat. And when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have, he, ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she had poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. Precious ointment. It's all about the worth and the value of the Lord Jesus Christ. All who look on say, he is not worth it. Many who looked on at the cross said, he is not worth it. Away with him. We will not have this man to reign over us. And yet, in Bethany this morning, we have come together as a group of believers to dwell upon the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we have come, we've left our houses. And people have seen us come. They know where we go on a Sunday morning. And they look at us and they say, where are those stupid people going on a Sunday morning? There are better things to be doing on a Sunday morning than to be going to church. Why do they do it? And that's their attitude towards us, isn't it? He's not worth it. Why do you bother? Why do you read the word of God? He is not worth it. It is not worth it. But we know, don't we, that he is worth it. And the things that we do for him are worth it. What we're looking at is the exceeding preciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worth it. He is worthy. And it is a feature of this little house in Bethany, the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that he is worth it. It is a feature of that house. It is a feature of the early church. He was worth it. And it should be a cheap feature of the church here in Bethany, Pusquine. We are here because he is worth it. There is nothing too costly to lay at his feet. So precious ointment. I'd better hurry on because I haven't even got back to where I finished <laughs> nine weeks ago. The fifth point was this. And we continue just for a second, if you would, in that precious ointment. He is the preciousness. 1 Peter 2, verse 7. Don't turn to it. And to you, therefore, that believe, he is the preciousness. He is precious and should be precious to all of us. He is the preciousness. It is the fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ that is in view with the ointment, with this alabaster ointment. The true value of Christ to all of us from Pentecost until now and also in that little house in Bethany. But there's also something else to see in that message. It was an alabaster box, a very expensive box with very expensive ointment in it. And it was broken so that the fragrance of the fragrance could come out. 
And we look at people like that, don't we? We see many people cross our paths. We see many people speaking in the pulpit. And some of them uh, could be like that alabaster box of ointment. They could be intellectually, morally, religiously good men. And they are looked up to by all. But Paul was a man like that, wasn't he? Saul of Tarsus. By his fellows, before he came to know Christ the Savior, he was looked up to intellectually, morally, religiously. They all looked up to him. They praised him. But he was smashed on the road to Damascus. Broken, absolutely broken on that road to Damascus. And from that, fragrance came through of Christ in his life. He was smashed to bits, but after his conversion, it was no longer Saul of Tarsus. It wasn't even Paul. It was the beauty and the glory of Christ that shone out from his life. It's the fragrance of Christ comes out when the alabaster is broken. And the church, right down through those 2,000 years almost of history, has been broken and broken and broken again. And yet out of it all, comes something for God, comes the fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us have been broken. Many of us, I would suggest, have been broken over the years. But out of that can come the fragrance of the one who loved us and the one who gave himself for us. We move quickly on to the, 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 the fifth message. And the fifth message is probably the one most people know, and that's the power of his resurrection. And it's in John chapter 11. We can read the whole chapter, all 57 verses of it. I don't think so. Um, John chapter 50, 11, and I'll just pick out various points along the way. The power of his resurrection. The raising of Lazarus. I hope we've all heard that, that, that story before of the raising of Lazarus, or that truth before. And it's a demonstration of resurrection power, the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this chapter 57, we read in verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. Well, we, we knew all that, apart from the fact that he was sick, we knew all that before, from the things we've already read. Verse 5 says, we know this as well, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He loved them and they loved him. And then a little later on we read, he wasn't just sick. Lazarus is dead in verse 14. Go to verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus saith unto her, My brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That resurrection at the last day, by the way, it hasn't come yet. It hasn't arrived. It's still in the future. How did Martha know that there was going to be a resurrection in the last day? Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and abideth in me shall never, never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Look at the question in the last verse. Believest thou this? Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never, never die. Jesus says to her, Believest thou this? And that's the question that comes to each one of us this morning, isn't it? Do we believe that whosoever liveth and believeth in him shall never, never die? I hope that we all do. So that's the resurrection power uh, that we see there, that place called Bethany. But more than anything, we see, we see love, we see fellowship, we see friendship, we see companionship at this little house where Jesus is. But more than anything, we see the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrection life. We see it in Bethany. We see it in the church at Pentecost. And we see it in the local church here at Putchwein. The church is the vessel in which the power of his resurrection is displayed. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Don't turn to it again. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. We are quickened together with Christ. Made alive. We are made alive in Christ. Resurrection is God's act, and it's God's act alone. Resurrection power and life are still available today to all who will believe and receive him. If you've never come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, today is the day that you need to come before him, realizing where you stand, and come to him for salvation. And that's as far as I got last time. I've got two short messages, very short messages. And the one is found in John chapter 12, verses 1 to 10, which we'll read through very quickly. Very next chapter, John's Gospel, chapter 12. Then six days before the Passover, verse 1, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, of spikenard, very costly, and she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the bag, and he bare what was there, was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Her death. What's this about? It's a, another account from John this time rather than Matthew of the same incident. And he brings out some beautiful points. 
And one of the points is that here, Martha is still serving, and that's because it's not wrong to serve, it's okay to serve, but her service is now adjusted. Her service is now adjusted, and it's now okay. And I want to look at the three people that are mentioned there, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, very quickly. Mary and her action with that ointment speaks of the worship of the Lord Jesus. Christ is in view. It's a simple appreciation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we should be this morning, appreciating him, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. And it speaks of worship in its purest form. And the purest form of worship is what we think of the Lord Jesus Christ as expressed to the Father. That's what it's about. It's about worship. And Bethany, in this gospel and in the gospels, it speaks about that. It speaks about worship. The church at Pentecost, that speaks about worship too. And this local church where we are this morning, in Bethany, it speaks of worship. So we have Mary, worship. Martha, adjusted service. It tells us something else as well, doesn't it? Martha was resentful when we first read of her. Uh, resentful of her sister and her sister's position. But now they're in the same house and everything's okay. They're all getting on. It speaks of fellowship, doesn't it? How we get on with one another. There should be no resentment. There should be perfect harmony because the Lord Jesus Christ is amongst us of a truth. Be glad to know we're on number seven, the seventh message. And the message is outward and upward. And it's found in the last chapter of Luke's gospel in the last few verses, just three verses, and we're finished. Luke's gospel, the last chapter. Verse 50, last four verses. And Jesus led them out, that's his disciples. Jesus led his disciples out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them. Do you see how important Bethany was to him? It was from Bethany that he ascended to heaven, he was carried up into heaven. Verse 52, and they worshipped him, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Just a few final thoughts on that. We see in that reading three things. That Jesus led them out. Jesus led them out. He blessed them, and then he was carried up into heaven. So they were led out with the Lord into his special place, his place apart to Bethany. They were led out with him. They were under his blessing, we read. He blessed them. And they were linked with him in heaven. They'd seen him ascend in the clouds. They were linked with him in heaven. And we've been led out, haven't we? As children of God, we've been led out to a place apart. A place. This is not the world. This is the church. This is the local church. And we are here this morning 
having been led out by the Lord Jesus Christ. We're here for a reason. We're here to worship him. We're under his blessing. We're under the blessing of the reading of his word and many other blessings. And we're also linked with him in heaven. It's Ephesians chapter 2 where, it's, where Paul says, we are made to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it's your choice this morning. You can either be sitting on one of those hard pews or you can be seated in those heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm sure God will bless his word to us this morning. And if you get the opportunity, take your phone or your concordance and look up Bethany and look at every word that is spoken about it. And you will see that it's a wonderful picture of the local church as it should function with the Lord Jesus Christ loving the local church. The people in the lo local church loving the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a picture of fellowship as well amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. No resentment, but only him as the center. So God will bless us for the things we've read this morning.
praise thee, our God and Father, that there is a day to dawn when the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We praise thee, our God, that our future is 100% absolutely secure in him, the Lamb of God, the one who loved us, the one who gave himself for us. We praise thee for him and all that he has done for us. Speak to our hearts this morning, we pray, from the word, our God, from the word of truth. And if there is anyone who knows nothing of these things, which we rejoice in, we pray that they will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ for eternal salvation. Bless us now as we part, we pray our God, for we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.